Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. What a joy it is to be with you today, and I see it as a great honor. Rocky is a hero of mine. Love him, appreciate him, and uh, thank God for a young man who is coming up to do God's work with his passion for ministry. Uh, you, you married up, son. <laughs> Way up. Don't tell me you can't believe in miracles, you know. It's a joy to be here. I, I was looking around. It's so good to be with his staff. Thank you for the support you give your pastor. Uh, you did such a good job today, Andrew. I appreciate it. You and your skinny jeans. <laughs> Just hate you. Can you imagine me in a pair of skinny jeans? It's a picture you don't want to see, isn't it? <laughs> I'd have to get on the roof and jump into them. <laughs> God is a good God. What we're doing is scriptural today. We're honoring the man of God. And truly, he's worthy of honor. I thought of what I could share today. And uh, I have to be careful because... My niece is here, so I can't be evangelistic. I have to tell the truth. Uh, it's uh, so good to be with Reba and Keith and Caleb. Uh, Caleb ain't much, but he's all she's got. So, uh, but so good to be with them today. It's a joy to be with you. And I, again, would like to say how thankful I am that you've asked me to share such a special day with you. I'm honored. Thank you for that. I wondered what in the world I could say about a man that is so well thought of in the state and in this church. He's a man with a proven reputation. He's a man that loves God with all of his heart. He's a man that wouldn't be anything without his wife. Mandy has straightened him out and needed a lot of straightening. But she has been a strength to him, a blessing to him. And I'm grateful to get to know her. She is a blessing. Also, I wanted to say something about his kids. You're his pride. You're the center of his love. He just takes joy in every accomplishment you make in life. It's one of those wonderful things about being a parent. You remember when your child took the first step? Well, everything you children do is a first step. And it's always a step to something bigger and something better. The thing that amazes me about the two of you is you haven't forgotten God along the way. Don't ever forget God. As a congregation, you don't realize the sacrifice that is made by children. And children will do one of two things. They'll either embrace their daddy's calling, be thankful for their daddy's calling, or they'll resent their daddy's calling. These two have embraced their dad's calling. But those times when he would like to be with them, there are times that he has to be with you. There are times that you take him away from activities that he would really like to be there. And they understand. It's not that they wouldn't like to have their dad there, but they understand your needs. And so it takes a special calling to be a pastor's kid. I think it's one of the stinkingest jobs in the world. 
I'm glad my dad was a barber. <laughs> the only bad thing about being a barber is I always had skint heads, you know. I, my dad cut one way. That's all of it off, you know. So uh, everybody else could get a haircut they wanted, but I always got the haircut he wanted. And if I didn't get it, uh, he would encourage me to get it with a razor strap. And so today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about pastoring and about a special pastor. In the book of Philippians in chapter 2, verse 19, there's a powerful little scripture that gives us insight into what a pastor is supposed to be. I was thinking today if there was a case for Rocky being the right man for this church, that surely you'd win this case because he is the right man for this church. You're a perfect fit. I went and bought a pair of shoes the other day, and I bought the same size I'd always bought. And I put the shoes on when I got home, and, and they hurt my feet. I tried to wear them a little while, and they hurt my feet more. I thought, well, surely they'll break in. And I finally couldn't stand the shoes anymore, so I took them back because they hurt me. Well, you don't look like you're in too much pain this morning. So he must be the perfect fit. So we're glad that he is the pastor of this church. Notice what he says in chapter 2, verse 19 in the book of Philippians. But I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. In verse 20 it says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once to see as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly. Father, bless us today and bless this word today. May it go to our hearts and may we understand God a little bit more about pastoring. May we also understand the pastor that we have and value him. So bless us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For 43 years, I've had the wonder of, of pastoring. It has been the highlight of my life. I remember when I graduated, I had one thing in mind. I was going to be rich. And I wanted to do everything in my power to be rich because I was raised poor. In fact, my dad said we were so poor that we couldn't afford the OR. It was just po. We were poor. So I decided that I was not going to be poor. And so I went to work. I had all kinds of businesses going. I was... Uh, by the time I was 18, I owed $250,000. I had a logging business. I had a pulpwood business. I had two gas stations in a marina. I was on my way to being rich. The only problem is I owed the million. I didn't have the million. So I was, had plans. And then all of a sudden, I got this little thing in the mail. And it was an invitation from Uncle Sam telling me they wanted me to join the army. Well, I've always been a little rebellious, so I joined the Navy instead. <laughs> there went my wealth. It was gone. It was while serving in the Navy that God called me to preach. 
and called me to pastor. I pastored my first church on board the USS Saratoga. Uh, we started with a Puerto Rican, a black guy from Brooklyn. Now, you've got to understand, when you hear a black guy talking with a Brooklyn accent, it's really an interesting thing. And then we had a guy from South Carolina who played the organ. And so we had a music director. We had my public relations man and my Puerto Rican. And we had our, our whole choir and the black guy from Brooklyn. Now, he didn't know one song out of the Redback Hymnal. Not one. But, boy, we had a time. And we would get in the room, and here I am, a little boy at the time, preaching the gospel. Couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper bag. But God blessed us. We grew from just four of us to over 400. God blessed us. We had people saved. We had lives changed, and God blessed. It, the beauty of it is, is three of us pastor churches of God today. God used us. The beauty of it all is God takes us where we are. And who would have ever thought that a little guy raised in Lake City, Florida, would leave Lake City, go to a church in Tampa, and yet end up in Newberry, Florida, pastoring a church? But God had a plan for his life. You see, we use the term here, the Destiny Community Church, and this has become Rocky's destiny. This is a place where God has brought him to, a place where God has destined for him to be. But what in the world makes a pastor a pastor? Because there's a lot of preachers in this world today. If you don't believe it, watch television sometimes. Call T.D. Jakes in the middle of the night and see if he'll pray for you. In fact, call him if you have his phone number. Just walk up and greet him at the end of a service and see if he'll shake your hands. And I promise you, he won't shake your hands. In essence, what you have is a church that is pastored by a star, that's all. You have a church that is pastored by someone who is wanting to stand out. Someone who draws a crowd but doesn't really pastor a people. You have a pastor. You have been blessed. Paul was a man that was like-minded. He was a man that was called simply because he cared for God and he cared for the people. Now, he was stubborn than most. God had to blind him before he could get him to yield. But he finally yielded, and when he did, he left all he'd been trained to do. He left it all, and he serves God with his whole heart. Rocky was a man that was called by God. He's called to a church that loves him and a church that he loves dearly. And he says to, Paul is speaking to his people here, and he says, listen, I'm going to send Timothy to you. Now, you have to understand that the reason he's sending Timothy is he's under house arrest. He's locked up. He's a prisoner. He's not able to go. He's in a position that one of two things is going to happen to the Apostle Paul. He's going to be released from jail or he's going to be killed. He doesn't know what is going on in his life. I don't know about you, but in a time like that, I really don't know if I'd be thinking about the Philippian church. I'm beginning to wonder what kind of casket they're going to put me in. And what are they going to say about me when I'm dead and gone? I don't even care what kind of casket they put me in. I don't want the casket. 
The Apostle Paul was no different than us. Here he is in a place where he knows he's going to die. He knows that he's facing death. He knows that there's no hope for him. He knows that one of two things are going to happen. He's going to be freed, which he doubts. Because if you listen to his words, he even says at one point that he's going into his death. He even states to the church that he won't return again. But here he is offering just a glimmer of hope for this church saying, I will come again shortly as soon as I find out what my fate is. I don't know. But the beauty of it all is you see that the same element that the Apostle Paul has is one that your pastor has. He cared. He cared enough that he was going to send Timothy, his beloved to that church to minister to them and to see what their state was. He cared about them. He cared about where they was. He cared about the, their growth, their state, to see if they were growing or if they were, were slipping away from God. He was concerned about them. Can I tell you one of the most agonizing things that a pastor ever goes through is to stand in front of this congregation and look across the faces of this congregation. Some of you look like you're in deep pain. You're hurting. Things haven't gone well for you. Some of you look hopeless. Like, can there ever be a change in my life? Some of you even walk into church and you've got a smile on your face, but yet you can see beyond the smile and you can see the, that sense of loneliness that is there in your face. And pastors see all of this every single day. And the Apostle Paul saw that. He saw what was going on in those people's lives. And he wanted to send Timothy to just see where the Philippian church was. To see what was going on in their lives. And every time that pastor goes. And every time he sends someone to visit you. Every time he's going. He's simply saying, I care about you. One of the things you'll find is the larger you get the more he's shared around and you don't get to do some of the things that you really love to do. I, I remember being able to sit at a hospital for hours while somebody had surgery. And then today I'll have six or seven people having surgery the same day. And how do you sit with all of them at the same time? You give each one of them a little piece with you and you leave somebody sitting there with them. You find a way to do it, but yet it's not quite the same as it is when you can be there every moment of the day. You can be there with them the whole time. Well, that's the kind of pastor that Paul was. He cared about his people. He cared about what was going on. So your pastor today is that kind of man. He cares for his flock. He wants to know. And then the apostle Paul uses the phrase, he says, that I can be encouraged when I know your state. In other words, what he is saying, when I see your growth, then it's going to encourage me. When I see how much you have grown, then I'll be encouraged. When I know what is taking place in your life, it's going to cheer me. It's going to bring me to a place of comfort in my life. I, I've pastored for 43 years, and 30 of those years have been the same church. And one of the things that blesses me is I am now dedicating babies of babies that I have dedicated Whew. Do you know the scripture that says, I've been young and now I'm old? I'm old. I've been there. I've done that. I bought the t-shirt. I'm old. In fact, I was there when Noah says, what do we build the ark out of? I'm old. 
The reality is that all of us need to understand that pastors, when they look across this congregation, they know your hurts. They don't know what causes the hurt always. They don't know what's causing the loneliness. They don't know what's caused you to withdraw. They don't know what has caused you to be where you are, but they see the sign. They know what is there. They see the pain, and his heart bleeds for you. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, go and find out how that Philippian church is doing and come back and tell me. Tell me how they're doing so it brings cheer to me so that I, I hear of the good report. I hear of their growth. I see that they're maturing. I see that their lives are changing. And one of the things that is such a blessing to a pastor is to know that after I have dedicated a baby of a baby, the thing that brings joy to my heart is I did make a difference in their lives. Look, I'm now dedicating their baby. I used to give those little kids a dollar bill for their birthdays. I used to give them candy and make their mamas and daddies mad, you know. I used to do all those things to those kids, and, and now they're bringing their little baby to me to dedicate them. So I see that the child is still keeping the faith of their parents. And all of a sudden, I feel like the greatest success I've ever done in my life has just taken place. It is an honor to serve on the Council of 18, but it has nothing, nothing, nothing in comparison to seeing the child that I dedicated 25 years ago all of a sudden bring a baby to me, and I dedicate that baby, and I see that baby in church every Sunday. That is a blessing. I have a young lady in my church. Her name is, used to be Tracy Centellus, mean as a snake, stubborn opinionated. Oh, she was a pain in the neck. And I loved her because she reminded me a little of me. And I watched that girl go off to college and she left church for a while. And I remember the Sunday she comes back to church, we have a special day and she walks back into church and she never leaves again. And then the, I had the joy of marrying her. Well, I didn't marry him. I'm already married. I'm glad to have my bride with me today. Isn't she a knockout? Whew. But I got to perform the marriage of this couple. He had grown up in my church also. He never left the church. He stayed there. He's working with my young Men now, they call it the dude's class. I thought, good Lord, can't you find a better name than the dude's class? <laughs> but they pastor the dude's class and play basketball and study the Word. and They, they go through all kinds of things in their life, and he shares it with them. And, and he and Tracy got together, and Tracy and he got married, and then amazingly, a year later, something else happens, and along comes a little boy that looks just like his daddy. And I get to dedicate that baby. And mama and daddy work in church. Boy, that's a blessing. You see, the reality is, sitting in this congregation today is all kinds of potential. And the reality is we all have destinies that God has called us to, to achieve. And most of us never achieve all that God wants us to achieve because we allow the distractions of this world and pastors see all of that. And he cares. Why does pastor pa pester you? 
Why does he pester you to be in church? Why does he pester you to do jobs? Why does he pester you to try to, to achieve more than you are? It's simply because he says, listen, you can be more than you are. You can be happier than you are. You can be richer than you are. You can have more than you ever thought you could have, and you can have more effect than you ever thought you could have. I was born in a place not too far from here, or raised in a place. I was born in a place more backwoodsy than that. But I was raised in Cross City, Florida, not too far from here. That's the reason I talk this way. I think it's the reason I look this way. <laughs> if you're a resident of Cross City, you're overweight. Because the only thing to do in Cross City is hunt, fish, and eat. And I did the latter real well. But God took a little boy from Cross City and moved him clear down almost to Miami in a little place called Cooper City. And in a place called Cooper City, he says, listen, I want to do something with you. And so he called me to pastor a multicultural church. Now, you've got to understand something. I was born at home. The closest hard road. Now, a hard road is an asphalt road for you young folks. Because where I was born, we had clay roads. And so, here I am, born in a place at home. I was five years old before I ever saw my first black man. I didn't know what, he, what had happened. I remember asking my mom, I said, Mama, look, 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 a chocolate man. I also remember getting my face slapped. Shut up. Don't disrespect anybody. I, I didn't mean it as disrespect. I didn't know. And today I have a church that is blacker on some Sundays than it is white. I have a church with people from 67 different nations. I have a church that speaks 11 different languages. I speak all of them. I say hallelujah in every language. Who would have ever thought that somebody from nowhere God could do something with? Who would ever think that God would take you and do something so amazing with your life and all you have to do is just simply realize, wait a minute, there's more for me than what I'm experiencing. That's what your pastor sees every Sunday when he stands in this pulpit. And then his pastors also cares because he chose people that were like-minded. Can I tell you something? Your pastor, when he chose your staff, did not go out and find the most talented. I've seen them all. They have no talent. <laughs> Shut up, skinny jeans. I got more hair than you anyway. <laughs> what some pastors do is they look for stars. Miami Heat had a star. And they went to the playoffs. And they won the nationals. I have worn the ring. I have held the trophies. I've had them at my church. I've seen it. I've smelt it. 
doesn't smell. I learned that gold has no real odor at all. Brass does, but gold doesn't. But when the star left, they couldn't make the playoffs. What your pastor did is God called you somebody that was wise enough that he realized that he didn't need a star. What he needed was a team. He did people that could love people like he did. And so what he did was look for people who were like-minded. So he looked for a staff that had great wives. (laughs) (laughs) He looked for pastors that wasn't looking for the limelight, but people who were looking for his light, the light of Jesus. He looked for people that were like-minded who cared about the people that sat on these pews that did not see you as a number but saw you as a soul and saw you as a, a person with destiny, a person who could accomplish something. He looked for a team that would join together with him and work together to see you become all that you could be for Jesus. He looked for a team that would make God look good. Not just themselves look good. I love this because he says here, I'm going to send one to you that is like-minded. He says, for I have no other one. No one else is like-minded. No one else is like Timothy. There is nobody else. I'm sending you the best. And so what he's done is I'm sending you somebody that cares for your state. In verse 25, he says, also, I'm sending Ephroditus with a letter. Because Ephroditus is longing for you. Notice his concern is always for them. For them. The sign of a pastor is when he cares for them more than he cares for him. The sign of a pastor is when he looks out across the congregation and he knows where you're at. The sign of a good pastor is when he can look out over his congregation and call you by name. Recollect who you are. We have over 4,000 people that attend our church. On Easter Sunday, we had to close our parking lot because we ran out of parking spaces. And there's no place else to put them. I mean, forget that we had violated every law that there was about people in aisles and everywhere else. My building will seat comfortably 1,200 people. We had 5,592 people in three services. It was mayhem. Had a bunch of people saved. Sad part about it is the next Sunday only had 1,700 people. So it kind of shocked me a little bit. But when you had that many people, you don't know everybody. And I know that I can't remember everybody's name because I have to look at my driver's license to see who I am. (laughs) But what I do is I assign people to know everybody. And then I get reports on everybody. When we have hospital, we have a lot of people in the hospital. You, You know, we live in Miami where most of my people are door gunners on bread trucks And once in a while, they get shot, you know, so they end up in the hospital. So we always have people in the hospital. Well, when we go there, 
it takes us hours to get all the hospital visits done. There's over 200 miles between hospitals, time you get them all visited. If you visit all the hospitals in one day, well, you can't do that, or you make two visits. So we had to devise a team that would visit the hospitals, and so we put those teams together, and we logged over 2,100 hours of hospital visits in one month. A lot. I can't do it, but I can make sure people are taken care of and no needs are, are missed. And, and that's what pastors do. That's what this pastor does. He says, for some seek their own, not Jesus Christ. If Pastor Andrew got to the place that all he did was says, I'm so important to this church. If you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to leave the church. Then I say, hit the road, buddy. I had a star in my church one time. He came to church, and he was humble when he started. And it's amazing how quickly humility turns to pride. All of a sudden, he began to realize he pastored a large church. I should have picked up on it immediately because I remember him coming back from a phyla meeting one time. And he was not called out and focused on because he was from the great Cooper City Church of God. He was a star. He was insulted, and he came back, and he says, you know, he says, our church was slighted because no one mentioned me. I says, no, you were slighted. I said, why should we be mentioned? Because that was not the purpose of the meeting. The purpose of the meeting was young people. But, no, no, there's no buts about it. I remember the day he come and sat down in my office, and I had been offered a job in Cleveland, Tennessee. And I, I remember I had told them, oh, I'll pray about it. Uh, that's what I always tell them, you know. It's a good put-off. I'll pray about it. And they came, he came to me and sat down in my office, and he said, congratulations. And I says, for what? He says, on your job offer. I says, What? He said, well, they offered you the position of administrative assistant to World Missions. I says, yeah. He says, well, congratulations. I said, well, thank you very much. He said, I really believe it's the will of God because I think I'm supposed to be pastoring this church. I said, then explain to me how it is when I prayed that God didn't speak to me and tell me to take that. He told me to stay here. Now, one of us is mistaken, and since I'm the senior pastor, you're the one that's mistaken. You see, stars are only concerned about themselves, and what your pastor does is realize that. Then thirdly, he has a proven character. Rocky has proven himself faithful. I'm trying not to embarrass him. And I know how embarrassing it is. I, when I was inducted into the Hall of the Prophets recently, I... I looked over to one of my members and I said, My Lord, at least I know what my funeral is going to sound like. It's, it's embarrassing when people heap accolades upon you. But I've known him since he was an ugly little boy. <laughs> kind of looked like Caleb, you know, just... 
I'm kidding, Caleb. Don't whip me. You got long legs. I can't outrun you. <laughs> I fall apart when I run. <laughs> he and his father, his father and I used to serve on the council together. And we had the joy of, of watching him and his brother grow. God use them. And there's a hundred thousand times that his head could have swollen. But no matter what success he achieves, he's refused to get a swollen head. When he was elected to the council at such a young age, it could have gone to his head. But he took on him the form of a servant. And he served. He became a voice for those that couldn't speak for themselves. He spoke for them. He was the one who made sure that we kept every jot and tittle of the law. He was the one. I'm 65 years old. Next month I'll be 66. I'll be old enough to draw Social Security. My Lord have mercy. And one of the things I've worried about as a pastor and as a council member and as someone who has served the state and served a local church is who is going to take my place? Who is going to arise to the position that finally there can be somebody that's not afraid to stand up and say what needs to be said? And the first time I got to serve with Rocky on the council and, and hear his pickiness. Hear his heart and see his integrity. I saw a man that had been tried and proven. He's a man that loves God and he loves his church. He loves his church enough that he's not going to leave you for another a good example of a man is how he treats his wife, and he honors his wife. He loves his wife. He's scared of his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves you, and he honors you. Today, more than anything in this world, you have a pastor who has been proven. You know, I had my open heart surgery done a year and a half ago and I was lying on the operating table and the doctor came in and he always patted me on his shoulder you know and he says Mr. Allen he said you don't seem to be too worried and I said no sir he says well why he said most people by this time were giving sedatives and you're laying there cracking jokes and I said yes sir I said let me ask you a question he says sure Fire away. And I'm sure he was wanting to know. I was, thought I was wanting to know something technical about the surgery. I says, have you ever done this before? It's always a good thing to know, right? <laughs> he said, yeah, I do two or three a day. And I said, so you know what you're doing? He said, yes, sir. I, I think I do. I said, well, I've got about 50 people in the waiting room out there praying for me. 
I've got thousands around the world that are praying for me. Every place I've ever preached, the request has gone out, and people are praying for me. So I've got people praying for me. I've got God on my side. You know what you're doing, so what have I got to worry about? What I'm saying to you today is this. You have a pastor that cares you, cares for you. You have a pastor that is wise and puts you first. You have a pastor that loves his family, and his family loves him, and his family has adopted you as a family. So what in the world have you got to worry about? You support him. You stand by him. You love him, and you hold him dear to your heart. And God will bless this church. As you treat your pastor, so God will treat you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.